Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 279. We are reading from Nehemiah chapter 11, Esther chapter 8 and 16, as well as Proverbs chapter 21, verses 17 through 20. As always, the Bible translation that I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe to receive daily episodes and daily updates. I'm just wondering how many people listen to this every single day, you know, and don't just skip ahead. I don't know. It makes me wonder because today is day 279 and you already know where to get the, the Bible timeline reading plan. You already know how to subscribe. I just wonder. That's just, just one of the things that will remain a mystery. It is day 279. We're reading Nehemiah chapter 11, Esther chapter 8 and 16, and Proverbs chapter 21, verses 17 through 20. The book of Nehemiah chapter 11. The inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine-tenths remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived certain of the sons of Judah and of the sons of Benjamin. Of the sons of Judah, Athiah, the son of Uzziah, son of Zechariah, son of Amariah, son of Shephatiah, son of Mahalalel, of the sons of Perez. And Messiah, the son of Baruch, son of Kolhoza, son of Haziah, son of Adiah, son of Joyarib, son of Zechariah, son of the Shilonite. All of the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Moshulam, son of Joed, son of Padiah, son of Koliah, son of Maasiah, son of Ithael, son of Jeshiah. And after him, Gabai, Salai, 928. Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer, and Judah, the son of Hasunah, was second over the city. Of the priests, Jediah, the son of Joyarib, Jakin, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, son of Mushalam, son of Zadok, son of Merioth, son of Ahitub, ruler of the house of God, and their brethren who did the work of the house, 822. And Adiah, the son of Jeroham, son of Palaliah, son of Amzi, son of Zechariah, son of Pashur, son of Melchijah, and his brethren. Heads of fathers' houses, 242. And Amashzai, the son of Azarel, son of Azai, son of Meshimaloth, son of Immer, and their brethren, mighty men of valor, 128. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagedulim. And of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashub, son of Azurikam, son of Hashabiah, son of Buni. And Shebatai, and Josabad, of the chiefs of the Levites, who were over the outside work of the house of God. And Mataniah, the son of Micah, son of Zabdi, son of Asaph, who was the leader to begin the thanksgiving and prayer, and Bakbukiah, the second among his brethren, and Abda, the son of Shamua, son of Galal, son of Jeduthun. All the Levites in the holy city were 284. The gatekeepers, Akub, Talman, and their brethren, who kept watch at the gates, were 172. And the rest of Israel, and of the priests and the Levites, were in all the towns of Judah, everyone in his inheritance. But the temple servants lived on Ophel, and Ziha and Gishba were over the temple servants. 
The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, son of Hashabiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micah, of the sons of Asaph, the singers, over the work of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them, and a settled provision for the singers, as every day required. And Pethahiah, the son of Meshezabel, of the sons of Zerah, the son of Judah, was at the king's hand in all matters concerning the people. Villages Outside Jerusalem And as for the villages, with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kiriath Arba and its villages, and in Dibon and its villages, and in Jechabzeel and its villages, and in Jeshua, and in Moladah and beth in Hazar Shual, in Beersheba and its villages, in Ziklag, in Mekona and its villages, in Anrimon, in Zorah, in Jarmuth, Zanoah, Adulam and their villages, Lakshish and its villages, and Azekah and its villages. So they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived from Geba onward at Michmash, Aijah, Bethel and its villages, Anathoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hezor, Ramah, Getaim, Hadid, Zeboim, Nibalat, Lod, and Ono, the valley of the craftsmen. And certain divisions of the Levites in Judah were joined to Benjamin. The Book of Esther, Chapter 8 On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Esther saves the Jews. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and besought him with tears to avert the evil design of Haman the Agagite and the plot which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter to Esther. And Esther rose and stood before the king, and she said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I endure to see the calamity that is coming to my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he would lay hands on the Jews. And you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The king's secretaries were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the twenty-third day. And an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews to the satraps and the governors and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty-seven provinces, to every province in its own script and to every people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. The writing was in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's ring, and letters were sent by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service bred from the royal stud. By these, the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, to slay, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them with their children and women, and to plunder their goods. Upon one day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Chapter 16. The King's Edict. The following is a copy of this letter. The great king Artaxerxes 
to the rulers of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 satrapies, and to those who are loyal to our government, greeting. The more often they are honored by the too great kindness of their benefactors, the more proud do many men become. They not only seek to injure our subjects, but in their inability to stand prosperity, they even undertake to scheme against their own benefactors. They not only take away thankfulness from among men, but carried away by the boasts of those who know nothing of goodness, they suppose that they will escape the evil-hating justice of God who always sees everything. And often, many of those who are set in places of authority have been made in part responsible for the shedding of innocent blood and have been involved in irremediable calamities by the persuasion of friends who have been entrusted with the administration of public affairs. When these men, by the false trickery of their evil natures, beguile the sincere goodwill of their sovereigns. What has been wickedly accomplished through the pestilent behavior of those who exercise authority unworthily can be seen not so much from the more ancient records which we hand on as from investigation of matters close at hand. For the future, we will take care to render our kingdom quiet and peaceable for all men by changing our methods and always judging what comes before our eyes with more equitable consideration. For Haman, the son of Hamadatha, a Macedonian, really an alien to the Persian blood and quite devoid of our kindliness, having become our guest, so far enjoyed the goodwill that we have for every nation that he was called our father and was continually bowed down to by all as the person second to the royal throne. But unable to restrain his arrogance, he undertook to deprive us of our kingdom and our life and with intricate craft and deceit asked for the destruction of Mordecai, our savior and perpetual benefactor, and of Esther, the blameless partner of our kingdom, together with their whole nation. He thought that in this way he would find us undefended and would transfer the kingdom of the Persians to the Macedonians. But we find that the Jews who were consigned to annihilation by this thrice-accursed man are not evildoers but are governed by most righteous laws and are sons of the Most High, the most mighty living God, who has directed the kingdom both for us and for our fathers in the most excellent order. You will, therefore, do well not to put in execution the letters sent by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, because the man himself who did these things has been hanged at the gate of Susa with all his household. For God, who rules over all things, has speedily inflicted on him the punishment he deserved. Therefore, post a copy of this letter publicly in every place and permit the Jews to live under their own laws and give them reinforcements so that on the 13th day of the 12th month, Adar, on that very day, they may defend themselves against those who attack them at the time of their affliction. For God, who rules over all things, has made this day to be a joy to his chosen people instead of a day of destruction for them. Therefore, you shall observe this with all good cheer as a notable day among your commemorative festivals, so that both now and hereafter it may mean salvation for us and the loyal Persians, but that for those who plot against us it may be a reminder of destruction. Every city and country, without exception, which does not act accordingly, shall be destroyed in wrath with spear and fire. It shall be made not only impassable for men, but also most hateful for all time to beasts and birds." A copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province and by proclamation to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to avenge themselves upon their enemies. So the couriers, mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service, rode out in haste, urged by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susa, the capital.
Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a great golden crown and a mantle of fine linen and purple, while the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict came, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews, for the fear of the Jews had fallen upon them. The book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verses 17 through 20. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the faithless for the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and fretful woman. Precious treasure remains in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Father in heaven, we give you praise and thank you. We thank you for justice. We thank you for vindication. We thank you for all the ways in which in your providence and in your love for us, you make things right. Lord God, we know that in the fullness of time, you will set all things to right. You will set all things as they ought to be. And these stories of Nehemiah and these stories of Esther are just a foreshadowing of the way in which you will restore restore justice and bring justice to the world. Lord God, today, this day, bring justice to our lives, bring reconciliation and healing to our relationships. And above all, Lord God, bring yourself to us and bring us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So just a kind of a brief recap of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 11. There is an honor, right? The honor is to be able to live in Jerusalem, but there's also, so one in nine, or one out of 10, I guess. So I guess one in there, nine outside. A one in 10 are gonna live in Jerusalem, the holy city, you get to cast lots for that. But nine tenths will remain in their other towns. Now there's goodness and badness to this. I mean, to be able to live in the holy city, kind of a big deal, but also to live in your ancestral land. That's also a pretty significant thing to be able to do. And so we have the list of the people. Remember earlier on in Ezra and in Nehemiah, they, they have such good records of those families and of those, yeah, those heads of fathers' houses, as they say, and their land that it's really, really important to be able to say, if we don't know who these people are, then they might not get possession of the land. In fact, if they're, we don't know for sure if they're Levites, if there's no proof that they are descendants of Aaron, then they weren't allowed to serve in the temple. There's something about an actual pedigree, right? In some ways, there's something about actual ancestral a gift. You know, all the, of the 12 tribes of Israel, everyone was given something. And it wasn't necessarily good or bad or better or worse. It was all good. It was blessing. And so what we have is that sense of um, where you come from really, really leads to, in so many ways, contributes to where we end up. Now, obviously, the story we've listened to, the story we've walked with for 279 days is one of brokenness and one of a betrayal. It's one of people being really great with the gifts that have been given and people being foolish uh, with the gifts they've been given, even wicked with the gifts they've been given. And so the idea of pedigree for a lot of us, especially living in a broken world, we just, we dislike it so much. <laughs> we dislike it so much. So I was like, wait a second, especially if we live in the West where no, regardless of what my parents have done or my grandparents have done, I can make my own way, which is actually scriptural. That's actually biblical. Remember the prophets had said very, very clearly that you are not to be judged for your parents' sins, also not to be rewarded for your parents' virtues. I mean, there's also contrary gospel, there's contrary scriptures that would talk about the, the curses that would go for three or four generations and the blessings that would go for a thousand generations. 
there's see this is the, the the paradox right it's not a dichotomy dichotomy is is both sides are fighting against each other paradox is both and right that sense of you get to in many ways chart your course at the same time we belong to a family <laughs> that yes we belong to a family at the same time you're not necessarily defined by your family yes our family contributes to who we are but at the same time we get to break free from the evil patterns of our family, or even if our families were virtuous, we have to choose virtue too. We just can't inherit their virtue. Now, all that is to say that in chapter 11 of Nehemiah, they have the ability to move back to their ancestral homes. And this is gonna be very, very important. Why? Because for the two reasons that I was trying to spell out, I don't know if it made any sense, the two reasons I'm trying to spell out, which are A, you have an ancestral home because you have ancestors. Kind of a big deal. At the same time, will you move back to the ancestral home? Will you build upon that land? Will you create a life there? So here's the thing. What I've received from my family, what I've received from my ancestors, the pedigree part, is is gift. Um, it also could be a burden. Obviously, every one of us knows, every one of us who is part of a family knows that. But then what we have in our hands, what we get given to us, what are we going to do with it on our own? So here's this connection. Hopefully this makes sense that, We've been given so much, both burdens and blessings by our ancestors, by our families. That's the pedigree part. And then what are we going to do with those burdens? What are we going to do with those blessings? That's the individual part. And so every one of us has been given that responsibility as well as that blessing in some way, shape, or form, as well as the burden in some way, shape, or form. And we get to decide, we get to choose. Um, in uh, Book of Esther, so good. I mean, just Esther saving the Jews. Um, I love how King Ahasuerus, basically, he doesn't undo the decree of Haman. He doesn't say, never mind what Haman said. Instead, he says, I decree that every one of the Jews will be able to rally together and fight off anyone who tries to kill them on that day. And I think that is clever. That is just kind of brilliant. I mean, again, King Ahasuerus, not a good guy, but clearly a pretty clever guy. Um, and he's able to say, you know, I can't go back on an edict that's already been declared in my name. So here's the deal. I'll make a second edict that will say that, hey, Jews, heads up on the day where people are going to come after you, band together, you can fight back. And when you kill them, you can have all their stuff. Threat neutralized, basically, which is just a really fascinating part of this story. Not only that, but we have this festival day, this notable day that is described the 13th day of the 12th month, Adar. We're going to find out a little bit more about that day in the next chapter, chapter nine of the book of Queen Esther, the book of Esther. Um, it's the Feast of Purim. And uh, what a great, complete festival of the Jews being saved by the intercession of this incredible woman, Esther, who, again, as we said yesterday, the day before, in the midst of her anguish, in the midst of her powerlessness, uh, she, she allowed God to work because of her great courage because of her great faith in the love of God and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My brothers and sisters, hopefully this, my friends, hopefully this has been just a blessed day for you. I know it's been a blessed day for me. And uh, man, I'm praying for y'all. Uh, please be praying for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Mm -hmm.